1: Hey, it's Metal Mike here, and this is the 80s Glam Metalcast. In this episode, I talk with solo artist and sabotage TSO guitarist, Chris Caffery. We talk about what he's been working on recently, and we go back and revisit the sabotage days. Now, if you're big into sabotage like I am, you're going to love this one. Now, there are a few audio issues, but hang in there. They don't last. Hey, it's 2020. You can't expect things to go smooth. Check it out. Well Chris, welcome to the eighties Glam Metal Cast. How you doing tonight, man? I'm
0: doing good. I'm doing good. I'm actually uh enjoying the fact that we are kinda getting into a little bit of fall like weather. I mean we had a, a pretty hot spell in the summertime, so nights in I'm in New York, Nights in New York now been uh getting into that weather where you can open the windows and, and turn the air conditioner off it's just been a lot nicer than it was the last Four weeks, I'd say, as far as that goes. So, it's getting a lot of work done and, uh, and enjoying the summer. It's been, a been a crazy year, but, you know, I'm doing what I can. I think I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same boat as everybody else in the world right now. Just kind of skating through 2020 and, and, uh, looking in the mirror sometimes and going, what the hell's going on? <laughs> <But, laughs>
1: yeah, it has been crazy. You've been writing any tunes in this downtime?
0: Yeah, I've been, you know, I, I'm working on, the new Spirits of Fire record, which I think, you know, I, I, I'm i pretty sure I have all the tracks that I need musically written for that, just kind of trying to get the uh, vocal parts of that finished right now. I think we're going to start the final recording of that in the next, probably the next three or four weeks, just kind of finalizing a few different few different things and figuring out which one of uh, my song ideas are fitting into what's missing in the map. But it's going to be a cool record. I'm really happy with that. And then I, um, in the midst of all this, I wrote a single, which I was, wasn't was really going to do another heavy metal solo record right now. Because the thing that happened to me with the last year's Fire record, I was working on my solo record and that at the same time. And when you're doing two metal records at once for me, it was just kind of, it both started sounding the same to me. I'm right? <laughs> like, which which record's this? And So I was just kind of figuring where I was going to maybe skate towards doing something that was a little bit more... Of a guitar record or a blues kind of thing to so something a little bit different, but I wrote this song that's called, I'm sick of this shit. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I recorded the single for it and, uh, Tony Dickinson TSO threw some bass down and, and, uh, John Macaluso did the drums for me and that I'm finishing up mixing now. I got a little bit more of the final mixing to do. And I actually had a lot of my friends and fans on uh, my Facebook music page. They, uh, were able to send me in mp3s It actually worked pretty well. There was a part in the verse that had harmonies, and it was actually, you know, the word COVID, and then there was (laughs) the the sick of the shit, and I, I had them do it, and they went and they just sent me mp3s through their Facebook message on my music page, and I just took them and played the, you know, the headphones into a little mixing board and put their tracks down, and I used, you know, probably at least 30... Tracks from from other people that uh came in for it and it worked out really well, so all those all those people are going to be part of my COVID choir and a part of the song. It's a really fun heavy metal song. it's just a really, really, really fun heavy metal song it it's lyrics obviously are about what's going on right now, but it's uh I think one of my my favorite metal songs that I've ever written actually I played it to John Oliva yesterday, and uh Oliva was like, You do a really good John Oliva' <laughs> <laughs> He, he knows that he taught me pretty much how to sing the metal and how to get that out of my voice. And, um, you know, Dr. Butcher had those kind of sarcastic lyrics in it, you know, the reach out and torment someone mm-hmm. yes. and, and the other things that we we had in time. So when he heard this, he was like, this would be a Butcher song. I'm like, yeah, it would be if you're <laughs> doing a record, but we're not. So it's it's one of my singles. And, and that, I, I think I'm just going to release it myself. I, I don't necessarily... Uh, I think there's a reason for me to have to throw it on a label right now. I might, uh, put it out and do it through like a tune core or a band camp so people can get it off iTunes and, and it'll be out there and, uh, they can buy the song and the, and the kids that sang on it can, uh, you know, tell their friends that they're on, on a single if they want to hear them and their part. And I'm working on, uh, shooting the book, a tiny little video for it. So it'll be fun. It's just something I think, you know, in the midst of all this, I'm hearing a lot of it. We along the Cougar Hoppy songs, which is cool. There's a lot of peace and love going on through the music, and I just wanted to add in the uh, the other side. <laughs> so, not that I am not not that I don't have peace and love, but I'm sick of this shit.
1: So. <laughs> it sounds awesome. So the, so for the most part, you're coming in super clear, and then there's something that happens where you'll go really bassy. I do not know. Okay. I'm
0: outside trying to give you the best signal okay. I can mean, get. I'm, I'm in a little bit of a... I'm in a little bit of a valley, so okay. sometimes my signal gets bad, so I'm, I'm actually out in the spot that usually has the signal that doesn't die, so I don't know what's going on with okay. this, but it, but it, it is 2020, I'm expecting the trees to start walking. <laughs> every, time I look out, every time I look out there, I'm like, these trees, the hills have eyes, you know, it's like I'm expecting all the weirdest things that could possibly happen in the world to keep going on for the rest of this year, so
1: how was uh how was John doing?
0: He's still good you know he's um he's down in Florida and he's doing what he needs to do as far as you know creating and working but he's he's staying in his his space you know him uh-huh. and uh his wife obviously I mean John turned sixty this year so he's he's not in a hurry to run around Florida and, and come in contact with anything that's down there that the cases in Florida kind of went a little bit in the wrong direction when the, uh, the things happen down there so he's just writing and staying doing the right thing I mean that's all we really can do I, I think that uh, you know it's frustrating that the bands aren't on the road right now but I mean the, the, the smartest thing any of us can do is just the right thing for now you just stay stay healthy and, and try not to uh, to add to the mayhem I mean I don't, I don't need to be out and about so I kind of stay at home I got a lot of work to do here I got a lot of gardens and yard work and I'm doing a lot of my my art, I do a lot of sea glass art, and that that's nice. kind of been something I've been doing a ton of this summer, and, and uh, it's been fun for me too. So I'm I'm actually, I think it's some ways more busy than I've been <laughs> in like <laughs> a decade in the time that I'm home right now because I've got so many different things going on at once. But it's a good busy. I go to sleep tired, probably at about three four in the morning. My dog wakes me up at seven. I get up with him for a little while, then I try to pass out for another hour. Then the rest of the day goes, and uh, I take care of my mom. So I'm, I'm kind of just, uh, you know, staying the course and, and being being smart and healthy. That's really all I can do, you know.
1: So hey, man, I think I kind of told you before uh, in our texting that I'm a huge sabotage nut. So uh, let, let's talk some sabotage, man. How'd you link up with the Oliva brothers? Well, I started working with Paul when I was seventeen okay in the band heaven
0: i i replaced mitch perry on the knocking on heaven store tour and, and paul was managing and producing heaven so i just had gotten into that paul was pretty much my first manager and producer and he just started working with the elevers and he was in the studio doing the mountain king record he was like you know uh, telling me that he he really thought that this band sound that the, the way he was producing it was not gonna be one that was gonna sound right with only one guitar alive. Now Chris Oliva obviously is the type of person that can handle anything, but you know, when in that sense when you left a uh double guitar rhythm section to go into a lead that on the record had all those rhythms, you were gonna miss that. I mean even Van Halen with Eddie as good as he was, Eddie never threw rhythms on ninety percent of his leads for that particular reason mm-hmm. he didn't want us have people notice that the sound was different live than the record so there was very few Van Halen songs on those first records that actually had a rhythm in the solo section. I mean he was mostly just playing with Michael Anthony and Paul got me to go out on the Mountain King tour and uh, it was kind of like a scientific experiment at the time, doing <laughs> rhythm guitars keyboard, and keyboards um, and you know, when the band was in the studio for Gutter, they they asked me to join, and that's kind of what happened, and and throughout that, you know, I left kind of really, I mean, I was real young, I was 21, and Mm -hmm. my brother and I had had bands when I was a kid, and my brother wanted me to get our band together. And Me, I I left Sabotage to work with my brother for a lot of personal reasons on, on me being worried about him for a lot of reasons, and I think I just didn't understand the business at the time. I should have just stayed in sabotage and did that on the side. But mm-hmm. of course, you know, when you're younger, you're like, I'm just going to devote myself to one band. You know, if you look at these people now, I won't name any names that are, you know, playing drums in 17 different bands. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm in this band. I'm in that band. I'm in this band. I'm in that band. Hey, it's me from this and hey, it's me from that. You know, I always had that, that attitude of where I wanted to just be from mm-hmm. one band. And that's kind of even where I've held with, for the most part, would sabotage and anything else I've done. That's why when I did Spirits of Fire, it was pretty rare for me because I hadn't taken on any other projects to be a part of till that had come around. It's just because of that reason, I'm not really one of those people that uh... wants to stick my face there and say I'm a part of 90 million different things. It's right. like you know, I toured with with Metal Church and I, I played with Doro and I'll help my friends and do those kind of things. But as far as like me standing there and, in the band photo for eight different bands, it's kind of not my thing. You know, I, I i kind of, uh, went to the solo records for that reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if I'm going to do something outside of Sabotage or TSO, it was just going to be kind of doing a Chris Capri thing and really trying to, uh, to represent something else because those bands were so close to my life as far as music and a person. So,
1: um, Chris, what about a favorite album of Sabotage that you played on, and a favorite album of Sabotage that you did not play on?
0: Um, well, I probably would have to say Mountain King. You know, I that's that one. Obviously, I didn't really have a chance to play on, mm-hmm. but that one's just my favorite one of that whole that whole era. You it know. is killer. Yeah. I, and as far as the as far as the other ones go, it's weird. As time goes, I tend to lean towards. I, mean, I really like poets but i tend to lean towards dead winter dead for some reason okay you know and i just think there's something about that record i mean paul really hit something with that story but the band and the music and everything and everything that we did at that time and there's just something about that album i think that um for me i, I really really like that of course that's like i i like streets and that that whole thing but you know i think All around, I think there's just something about Dead or Dead to me that that hits me as, as, as one of my favorites.
1: Yeah, it's definitely cool. And you know what's cool, too, is that, especially like with that, and I know with Wake and Magellan, there's a lot of different stories. I know with Wake and Magellan, especially, there's a lot of stories infused into one story. And i got to admit, there's sometimes that I really don't know what's going on in some of these concepts. But the songs are also good. They can be outside of it. You can listen to it and still enjoy it and not really understand the concept, or you can really get into the concept and, and enjoy it that way. That's what's kind of cool about Sabotage. Some of those songs, like I said, yeah, they can well, go that, either way. that
0: was the idea that was the idea that Paul had with that music. I mean, he really didn't want it to have to have the story, but the story was there. And it was, You know, something that was very special about Sabotage and obviously something that became very special with the whole entire thing he, he did with T.S.O. is those those songs on those albums, they all stand individually strong, but together when you tie it in with the stories, they have something really special and really different than you know pretty much nothing else has so it's it's um it's definitely something that uh was really unique i mean paul definitely had a formula that i think a lot of a lot of bands have tried to to duplicate in some ways but i don't think anybody's ever really done it with the same kind of uh i don't know i think i think since paul really in my opinion kind of was the first to do those kind of rock uh, opera things with with metal bands I think that uh, he really just had that form of he was so schooled on all the history and, and parts of those stories and books but he also you know lived in New York City and was around the whole Broadway scene and, and he just knew that that part of that life was, was so embedded in him so I think he just has a slight advantage on that whole entire form model he developed it
1: two of them that I'm obsessed with I gotta say is um Edge of Thorns and Gutter Ballet, and I feel like those albums are kind of similar in some ways. Do you see that or? Yeah, no, no, I do. I, I think um,
0: I think Edge is is a, a really very special sabotage record. I mean that that to me was like kind of the like the loosest, more. I'm mean, not saying loose, not as far as like uh, you know, the playing being loose, but it was just kind of like just really laid back like if Sabotage ever reached the point of where they were a rock and roll band, <laughs> you know, right, like yeah. <laughs> had that, that it was like that was that attitude where they it was just kinda like, you know, Sabotage was the, the heavy metal rock band with that record and, and those songs and, you know, the lights out and those ones that you know the dreams of sanity. All, all the songs on that record, they miles away. There was just kind of more of, I think, um, an even Edge of Thorns. That was just more of, you know, kind of sabotage being you know, the hard rock metal band, and that addition of Vax tone being a little bit softer than John's, especially in the, the metal music. My dog is barking at somebody, but <laughs> I think that 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 really set that record into its own its own spot. You know, Chris really played. He played very free on that record. I think his solos were were a little bit less orchestrated mm-hmm. than uh some of the records before Because he really he was on a mission after Mountain King into Gutter into Streets. He was he was really formulating a lot of things and I think with Edge he was just kinda having more fun and just kinda jamming to himself. So that was that was some of like my favorite Chris as far as that where those solos were definitely not ones that he even tried to do live the same other than edge the song itself i think there was a lot of freeform stuff for him like ghosts the ruins and things where he would just you know play something different live where he had that kind of attitude on edge of thorns with those solos
1: now uh, well you you touched on dr butcher a little bit um i mean that was obviously a, a cool album and definitely heavier than sabotage and like you said it had that sarcasm which was was cool it's a little bit different not as serious maybe as sabotage um Did you feel like you guys had that freedom to be away from sabotage to do those kind of things?
0: Yeah, you know what it was like John had gotten out of working for a very long time with his brother and I'd gotten out of my experience with my brother. I think we both just really wanted to have some fun, you know. We were I went down to Florida and John was staying with a friend of his in the middle of nowhere, Florida, and I went and stayed with them and we just started hanging out and opening bottles of Florida whiskey and Jack Daniels, and write fun metal songs. And you know, when we, we played the first demos of that, to Chris, Chris was like, you know, because John's John's voice was was something that had been a little road beat when he he left the band after the Streets tour. And um, Chris was like, "How come you can't sing like that for me?" Because <laughs> we had had some demo tapes that he heard. And actually, there was a, a point where Chris wanted to, to do the butcher thing with us. Okay, he was kind of just like. You know, he got to a point where he was like, Dude, I don't know if I want to do sabotage without my brother. I should just do butcher with you guys and then Chris had actually asked me to join Sabotage for Edge of Thorns and I was like, Nah, I'm not gonna leave John. So it was just kinda of one of these things where we're still all one big family and I you know, yes. I, I really regret missing those last couple of years on the road with Chris that I could have had some of those because that was he was a very close friend of mine, so I lost time with him. That was very special. I'll never I'll never get back. More so even, even being a part of those records. So, but um, you know, I never really left the family. I think there was a, pretty much only about a year that I was away from that band. The, the year of ninety one was pretty much the only time I was gone. Beginning in ninety two, I, I went right to Florida and basically stayed with John, and that's when we started writing Butcher.
1: Why was John ultimately out of the band? I know he was still involved. Was he was he just sat with with all the the touring, or what was the rationale behind him not singing anymore for Sabotage?
0: You know what? I after all these years I'll leave two people to answer that question and that's Chris Oliva and John Oliva. And Chris was not there to give in his part and John can explain whatever he has to give. I mean, there was a lot of a lot of different things, you know. We John had spent a lot of time on the like I said, a lot of time on the road and um I think he he needed a little bit of of time. I I think that I, I really can't say exactly you know, he was he was out of the band and that's something that uh I was too. I mean I think it's just one of these things where we revolted had separated from what we were doing and um we never really completely went away. I mean John wrote edge of torns with his brother. It's not like he, he was out of sabotage right. in any way, shape or form other than not being the lead singer for that. And you know, he obviously he wrote and recorded almost all of handful of rain himself, other than Zach's vocals, and that he was back on the road on those on that tour, and we were all back in for for uh, for Dead Winter Dead. So you know, pretty much, John had just as long as a period away from sabotage as I did. You know, I was I was out for my thing, and I went to John, and John all the school that we we both were there, even though we weren't. You know, it's not when I was living down in Paris, He and John were living together, and we saw Chris every single day. It wasn't. Like, you know, it was ever a separation between John Oliva and Chris Oliva. I mean, those two saw each other every day, regardless if they were playing together or not. So even when John was out of Sabotage, I never really considered him being out of Sabotage.
1: You know, and it was weird because I I was obviously into Sabotage before Zach joined the band, and I was really into John's voice because it's so distinct. And I gotta admit, man, I, I loved Zach. I love. I do. I love Zach Stevens' voice, and uh, it, it was it was a cool change. Sometimes it doesn't work. Vocalist, as you know, it's the hardest uh, person to replace. But I think it worked. No, no, it absolutely
0: did, and that you know, of uh, of Chris and and Paul and John specifically writing to marry that voice too. I mean, those songs were definitely not being constructed for John. At that point in time, they were writing knowing who they had sick, and they created, like I said, that really cool kind of Ray Gillard-ish, blues rock sort of feel into Zach's voice into the metal. And I think it was a very good formula. It was still very sabotaged, but it was not where Zach was ever expected to sound like John by the way that music was written. There was very, very, very intelligent writing around Zachary's voice. I mean, they changed that music to marry him and it was a great accomplishment because they didn't make you list John in those songs because those songs were not written for John. John mm-hmm. wrote those songs with Paul and Chris for Zach. They knew who they were writing it for. It's not like they had this pile of ten songs that John did demos for. These were all songs that were written for Zach.
1: Now, once Sabotage was was took a break or was done, I mean, John did Taj Mahal, you know, you did Faces, I had Iraq Attack with John, then there was uh, Circle to Circle with Watching in Silence, and you wrote and John wrote, and I think you played on some of that, and I gotta admit, man, as a fan, I mean, I get it, you guys wanna do solo stuff, but in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, why couldn't this just been combined and been a Sabotage album?
0: Yeah, you know what, I don't have, that's the one question I could ever answer, because I'm here to do a Sabotage record at the time anybody would ever want me to. So as far as that goes, that's another one of those questions that I don't answer. <laughs> it's like I, I would love to do a sabotage record tomorrow and there's, you know, reasons for, different reasons why things have never timed itself out to to happen again. I, I think the world misses sabotage. I know I do. I do. And um you know, we're all here. Obviously we would never be able to um completely recreate the magic that happened with Chris and Paul and John—I mean, that's two thirds of of the largest part of many of the writing combo of Sabotage are, are you know, our are, are angels of ours now. So you know, we'd, we'd be able to we'd be able to write Sabotage records, but I don't think it would ever be exactly the same. I mean, even John digs out some of his old recordings that his brother had written, that he hasn't used. I think there's there's a part of that that I think maybe. You know, maybe John and, um you know, even the the, the ghosts of Sabotage kind of want to maybe let that rest mm-hmm. you know, away from, from that just because there's such a huge, important part of that whole entire chemistry of that band that's not there, you know, and people, people that don't think it's Sabotage without Crips, you know. So yeah. if you have Sabotage in that sense, you know, it, it's... um kind of one of these things that if it's going to happen and it's meant to be, it, it will, but if it, if it doesn't, I mean, there's a, a whole lot of magic that, that came out from that band you know, in that time. And it was very important to the history of metal. It's kind of, you know, in a lot of ways like the Beatles and, Queen, uh, and things like that, where they'll never be the same without the John Lennons and, and Frank It's, it's uh, kind of one of these things where Sabotage would never be the same without Paul and Chris Oliva. And, and uh, Crystal I think, you know, maybe... In some ways it's better for us to just keep the legacy alive with the music in a lot of the ways that those bands do, but you know, I don't I don't make that decision. I'm around if anything was ever to happen. Mm -hmm. But um I just know that I was very fortunate to be a a part of it. I mean, if I had not been lucky enough to uh get into that heaven thing, I probably wouldn't be speaking to you now. I don't know where my career would have went. I am sure I would have wound up with the in the music business, but I, I definitely don't think my, my life would have went that course to where I would have been, you know, working with somebody like Paul for 30 years and going through all the magic that that guy created, you know, and, and, and sabotaging TSO. I was, I was very lucky to be a part of that part of musical history. It's a, it's a big chapter in metal and, and hard rock and arena rock. It's like I, I was blessed with the ability to be a part of something really special.
1: Now, kind of explain Paul's role, because, you know, Paul just seems like an equal member. Was that kind of how it was, even though he just wasn't in the forefront?
0: Yeah, I mean, he definitely was more than the... I've worked with bands that had the quote-unquote producer before. A lot of times it's some guy that just came in and said, oh, you know, I hear this chorus. Maybe you should <laughs> put this verse here and do that. And, okay, cool, man. That's great, babe. That's great. You know, that kind of like fricking Hollywood producer sort of vibe, but it's like Paul definitely could have worked for any band that he wanted to, and he chose Sabotage for a reason because he saw something in that band that was very special. He saw the Lever Brothers, and he knew that the magic that was involved with that, and he did, you know, become like the fifth Beatle in that sense with that combination. It was just something that was was really unique, And, and the writing chemistry between the levin brothers and paul that continued on with with john paul. I mean, john oliva and paul O'Neill were a really magical writing team there was mm-hmm. something to those two i mean john was able to to come up with the music behind those you know beautiful lyrics and things that paul had, had for all those ballads and it was just the thing that had happened all the way around i mean paul was uh definitely more than a producer with sabotage it was he was a lot more than a producer with that band I mean, obviously i mean tso was, was his baby so mm-hmm. there really wasn't a whole lot different in that sense you know we we were creating tso music and it was paul and and john and you know i did my writing and out did his writing but that was still that that same combination so I, it's like paul had always had a very huge part more so like i said than than Regular producers would, I mean, he'd be a part of our live shows and what we would do with production on stage and lights and sound and and just everything about it, our videos. He was, he would direct the videos of sabotage and, and that those visions of that, you know, the gutter ballet and when the crowds are gone videos, I mean, that, that's all Paul's vision in those videos, not like me and John and Chris were out on the gutter tour. <laughs> Freaking going, hey! We have this idea. We're gonna get this theater in Rockford, Illinois. We're gonna fill. When the crowds are gone, it's like no. Paul and called us up and said, "Hey guys, you're doing another video. <laughs> this is where you're going." So he definitely, he definitely was, uh, you know, a, 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 a member of that. We were all family, and that was Paul was a huge part of it.
1: Well, let's talk about your last solo album, man. Uh, the Jester's Court—that's a killer album. Uh, I, and I dig the diversity because you'll have a, a lot of straightforward metal songs, but then you'll throw in something like the song, like "Protect My Soul," it's just a little different. You know, it's a cool album.
0: I—I I think that on um, Jesters, I just went back to the formula that I had with Faces, which is just me having fun. You know, I, I when I first did my solo records, it was really kind of to fill in the space of there being no sabotage, mm-hmm. and I discovered that I could sing, and I was like, wow, I'm actually able to sing, and I never thought I was a great singer, but I just never really wanted to, to deal with, like I said, another band, so I just made this music myself, but then going out on the road and, and doing the solo band was really stressful. I mean, all the responsibility went entirely onto me, you know, for everything. The paying to set up all the tours and mm-hmm. this and that, I got finally started to understand on a very small scale what it was like to have the pressure that Paul would have, you know, before a TSO tour, you know having to put things together, it's just it's a lot of stress when you know you're you're that uh, important to everything that happens around there. And you know, when I wanted to go and play, it, it was just one of these things where financially it, it was it was a little bit stressful for me, and, and business wise, it was stressful for me. So I just kind of got to a point where I was like, well, TSO was playing and we started playing more and more, and I, I was just kinda was like, you know what, I'm gonna take some of the, the pressure off this, and I just took a break from from doing the solo records and tours, and then when I did the gestures out, that kind of was like an escape for me away from after Paul passed. You know, I really mm-hmm. dove into writing that album with a lot of the emotions that were happening to me, losing someone as close as Paul, and I think that if I didn't do that record, I, I might've been pretty damaging on myself physically, so, I went in and and just kind of went back to that same mode of the Faces record where I just wanted to grab what was inside of me musically and put it onto an album. I I like all different kinds of music, so it's not like I only pick one that I want to play or write. I I have a lot of different tastes for music and things, so I I like putting them onto that. And I think that the Jester's Court record had a lot of that Faces personality in it
1: yeah definitely and, you know and it's funny you know when you mention TSO because of all of us you know nuts who love sabotage you know it's always going to be sabotage first that's what you know we we knew it as sabotage but it really you know it it is funny when you see these giant concerts and it's all the guys from sabotage i mean it, it it's it's pretty awesome man i got to say it is very awesome
0: yeah No. exactly yeah, yeah like i said it was it was a a very 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 special band and i was really fortunate to have that part of my life you know it's many many years that if you look at uh some of the, the careers of like you look at how fast there was a beatles it was you know less than 10 years in that. Yep. and that you look at the fact that you know sabotage had, had uh had a history with themselves, but my history with Paul and John and, and everything, it, it went over 30 years. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. a crazy amount of my life. More life than I was alive, time of my life I was alive without sabotaging Paul is is not there. I mean, the most years of my life were spent with these people and this family, and, and it's uh, definitely not a bad thing. I, I, I was very fortunate to have... Uh, to have all these guys as part of my life.
1: Uh, with Spirits of Fire, real quick, uh, what was it like working with Tim Owens? Because I've read interviews with him. He's a big sabotage nut himself. Yeah, no, I, I'm a really good friends with Tim. Um,
0: we did his first solo tour together, which actually happened to be the last tour that Ronnie Gio was alive on that Heaven and Hell tour I played with Tim And, I had met Tim back when he first got into Priest and we had become good friends and then sabotage opened for Priest so when I got a to do um Spirits with him that was one of the main reasons why I said, Hey, I, I wanna do this because it was kind of more like me getting a chance to do a record with my friends and, and he's just great. You know, he's he's uh one of the great metal voices of of our our age and our generation. I mean he puts him up against anybody at bang and and uh in the past 20 you know years is he just has that really really strong really solid voice that never goes anywhere i mean i i toured with and priest for six weeks and they were doing a pretty long set list every night you know sometimes it was six nights a week and that guy's voice was there every note of every night
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and uh he's 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 definitely a very special vocalist
1: no doubt well hey man i really appreciate the conversation tonight any final thoughts to your fans out there no, I mean, it's
0: just everybody stay safe and, uh, like I said, 2020 is gonna go down in, in the record books as something that's probably never gonna, hopefully never gonna happen to any of no. us again. Just, you know, stay safe, keep yourself safe, your family safe, and, uh, you know, the music is, the music is there. None of us are, uh, going to be going anywhere and when as soon as we can play we'll be out there playing music for everybody again i mean right now we're just we're just doing the right thing and following science and and, and trying to keep everybody safe i mean the, the last thing i would ever want to do is go out there and uh and be responsible for for saying hey you know screw this i'm gonna go play it and then turn around and go you know, so and so went to a concert and went to his parents' house and killed his grandma. It's like I, I just want to yeah. do the right things right now, and I think that's what everybody can do. And when we can all play, we'll all be back. And and I, you know, I, I think that uh, technology and science and everybody involved, we will get back to where we need to be as soon as possible. This thing just wound up being a, you know, uh, a weird bump in the road. You know, it, it was the most serious one we've definitely had in a hundred years, and and it's needed responsibility and I think that everybody just needs to pay close attention to it until uh, we know that it's under control or gone because if you if you do look at the history of what happened in, in nineteen eighteen the original wave of that was not where the worst problems were it was when it came in in its second half that's mm-hmm. where it went from basically where we're at now which is under a million deaths to fifty million so everybody just needs to, to keep an eye on it you know and, and uh, obviously now we're We've gotten pretty good at what needs to be done if it does get serious like that. But everybody just needs to to respect it because it's it's uh it's the invisible killer. You know you don't you don't see it, but you, you just definitely need to respect it and respect science and, and realize that uh you know it's something that we will get out of. It's not like we're not gonna we're not gonna beat this thing and we'll get out of it. But everybody just needs to make sure we take as many of us with us as we can and keep everybody healthy and safe. That's that all we can do.
1: Well, Chris, thanks so much, man, for your time, and thanks for all the years of the great music. We really appreciate it. No, thank you. Thank you for your time, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Well, that was a great episode with Chris. Well, guess what I'm going to tell you to do? The same thing I always tell you to do. you got to subscribe, and you want to do that, especially before our next big, super-sized episode. We bring in a co-host, Mr. Mojo Mumi to interview the very talented Todd Kearns. At the end, we have an interesting KISS roundtable discussion that you don't want to miss. Rock on!